faith. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on everybody, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of 1 Samuel chapter number 18, verses number 6, the writer declares, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, look at the song that they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Tim declares the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, thank you Jesus, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Father, I know that this moment is already blessed because you're here. Your word declares where two or three are gathered in your name that you are there in the midst. And God, we're here for no other purpose but for you. More than the preaching, dancing, singing, God, we're here to have an encounter, experience with you. And I believe that you're going to do just that. I thank you now, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says... How many of you all have ever prayed for a job? Anybody in here? I'm talking about you prayed for a job. How many of y'all like praying right now for a job? Come on. I remember years ago, I finished uh, undergrad at Southern Miss and um, in business administration, and I was believing God for a job. I was newly married, had a baby girl. I think Greg Jr., he was on the way or something like that. So I needed to make a move to be able to provide for my family, make sure everything was everything. And, and the first company that hired me um, was Walgreens. Jeff, I remember going into the interview with Psalms 1 on my mind. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the city of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf also shall not wither. And watch this. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I go into the interview with that on my mind, that I'm getting, ready, I'm getting ready to ace this interview. They ain't got no other reason but to hire me. Because all other candidates, I don't care what their degrees, what their qualifications, I got the favor. Anybody ever went in an interview cocky like that? <laughs> you might got degrees, but I got favor. And so my, my, my boss, the, the one who interviewed me, I mean, she was just the sweetest thing in the entire world. I'm talking about she was so optimistic about the company, uh, the benefits, um, the, the, the promotions that are available, the travel. One day um, I would have my own store. I mean, she painted this great picture of this wonderful place to work, and it was fantastic for about a week and a half. After that, she 
I don't know if it's bipolar, schizophrenic, I don't know, but she flipped on me. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? And I'm talking about it was like one of the craziest environments to work at ever. It wasn't a day I didn't, after, after a week and a half, it wasn't a day I didn't pray, God, why you got me here? And then my prayer <laughs> changed, God, get me up out of here. I want to deal with that just for a moment. We've been in this series on financial stewardship, and I want to, I'm staying in the same vein, but I, I got to talk about the workplace environment because some of us as believers are actually failing the assignment as to why God has us in a particular environment. And the gentleman that I want to use today is David, and I want to highlight the environment that David worked at, which was his first job outside of his father's house. Now, he tended sheep in his father's house, but he got a full-time job working for the king. And this is what the Bible has to declare in 1 Samuel 16, 14. The Bible declares, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search out for someone who can play the lyre. Watch this. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. I could see this job ad looking for musician to cast out demon of their boss. Now, how many of y'all would have been like, oh, I, I can play, I can play. <laughs> 22 declares, then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So I can imagine David, like me, being excited about his first job. I've been, I've been tending sheep for all of these years, and I get a job, watch this, working for the CEO of the entire nation of Israel. I am his right-hand man. I could, under, I could see him with this excitement until a week and a half later that he find out his boss is demonically oppressed. And the thing that he used to celebrate about him being such a good worker, the boss finally becomes jealous because he's so good. And more people are complimenting David than they are Saul. And even worse than that, the boss start throwing javelin at his head. I'm sure there was a point that David says, God, why do you have me on this job? And possibly his prayer went like mine. God, I need you to get your boy off this job. He got a legitimate, God, my boss, crazy. He got a devil that come visit him. My boss, jealous of me. He trying, to, he trying to get rid of me. He doing crazy things against me. But here, here, watch this. I did say that God placed him on the job. Now, it's funny because some of y'all trying to change y'all profession. Because when you first got hired, you like, the Lord bless me with this job. And then, you, you know, you find out your boss was crazy, and you were like, well, I need him to bless me with another. <laughs> and then some of y'all stopped, y'all just erased all, the, all the, the, the God blessed me with the job. You just erased that altogether. Stop saying that altogether. Well, I got a job. 
So I want to deal with this idea, God, why did you place me on this job? Before I give you the three reasons, and I really don't feel like teaching, preaching. I really want to have a conversation. So this is what it's going to be like. We at, um, we at the Almanac, and um, I just ordered that $25 special, 25 pieces of catfish with a side of fries. Yeah, can somebody grab me some hot sauce? Louisiana, that's all I, that's all I do. And I just want to have a conversation and just sit and just, just talk. First of all, you're not on your job for validation. And some of you all approach your job like that. You want to be validated and you want to be appreciated. And the last thing oftentimes that your boss gives you is validation and appreciation. Here's the problem with validation. True validation comes outside of performance. And you're trying to get validated in a place that critiques you on purpose to find out areas where they can improve you so that you can work harder for them. I'm not there to be validated, and I'm not there, oh, there's another problem with validation. The moment that your boss knows that you need to be affirmed and validated, that's the moment that they start manipulating you for validation. You're not there for identity. Your identity, somebody shout, my identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. You're not even there to make friends. If you happen to make a friend, that's great. But the reality is before I joined the company, I already had friends and family that loved me. So don't call me antisocial because I don't want to drink after work. No, I'm not going to the club. I'm going home to my wife and my kids. And to some of you all surprised, I want to help you. The sole purpose of me having this job is not for me to make money. I just wanted that to just linger in the air. Because some of y'all are like, well, hold up, Reb. <laughs> the reason I get up at early 30 in the morning is for the, come on. <laughs> Let me throw a little shade at y'all. The reason I go to church when it's, the reason I go to work when it's raining, and don't show up at church when it's raining, because <laughs> I want that paycheck. Go on and say amen. You can say amen. I just want to just challenge the believers. I just want to challenge the Christians just for a moment. Here it is that Jesus Christ redeemed your life. Somebody shout, he redeemed my life. I love it. I was at a, a homegoing service, and my apostle, he was ministering. He said that there's a great fallacy that people say that time is money. He says time is not money. Time is life. So, so God redeemed your life. He redeemed time. Are y'all with me in this place? And you mean to tell me that he's going to redeem your life and put you in a position where you actually spend more time in a week on a job than you do with your family, and he did that just for what he calls filthy lucre? God has got to be a greater pur purpose for me being on this job than just the paycheck. Because I got the testimony and countless testimonies of people around me. God got plenty of ways to take care of your bills. Can somebody say amen to that? So I want to deal with three reasons why God got you on the job. Somebody just scream, God, why am I here? Why am I on this job? Why are you allowing me to go through what I'm going through? Why are you allowing me to be treated how I am treated? And when I was on that job, here's what's crazy, man. I filled out every resume in the world trying to get away from Walgreens. I was on Monster.com. I was searching the newspaper. I don't even think they got Monster.com. Do they still have that? 
Every website it was, I was on it trying to get out of it, and God would not let me out of that job, and I wanted to know why. Here's the first reason. Somebody shout, for training purposes. Here's the reality. God is trying to use your job to train you for something greater that he has in store for you. So you can pray, and you can fast, and you can come to church, and you can read your Bible, and all that kind of stuff is wonderful. But if you actually want to develop muscles, you need some form of resistance. And your job is the perfect place for resistance training for you to grow. Can somebody say amen to that? I want to show you this in the book of Exodus, chapter number 13, verse number 17. The writer declares, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. Oh, yo, watch this. So, so some of you all feel as though that I should be further along than where I am right now. I should be doing more. Some of y'all are actually smarter and more competent than the supervisor or the boss that you have. But the scripture declares, although it was shorter to go through the Philistine country, the Bible declares, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So I'm going to take them the long way around to train them for the giant that one day going to whoop. Let me just go ahead and go there a little bit early, because there are some of you all who are currently on the job. And you feel as though that I can't wait to have my own business. And you have kind of like this um, delusional aspect of entrepreneurship that when I own my own business, I get to do whatever I want to do. When the truth is, you work much harder for yourself than you do for anybody else. I, I went to Subway a couple of weeks ago, and um, it, was, it was like 9 o'clock. And um, I like that new steak wrap that they, that they got. So I went to get me a steak wrap, and it was 9 o'clock. And um, I'll probably never go to this subway again. And the, the lady was in there, and she was just throwing stuff. And I said, bless you, ma'am. Yeah, whatever. And I'm like, can I get, a, can I get like, my, my, my steak wrap? Well, I'm sorry, sir. It's going to be like 30 minutes before I do anything. My employee did not come in this morning, and so you're going to have to wait. I did the old church move on her <laughs> and got up out of there. So when you an employee, you, you can be like, well, shoot, I'm tired. I ain't going today. I'm just going to take time off. But when you own the joint, you can't be like, well, if they ain't come to work, we just ain't going to sell no sandwiches today. No, you're going to get up and you're going to do what you got to do. Are y'all with me in this place? Here is what you need to understand, that God places you on a job assignment for a particular reason, particular purpose. Likewise, he places you in positions of entrepreneurship for particular times, particular seasons, particular purposes. And it's not like one is better than the other. If God, somebody shout, wherever God assigns me, that's where I'm going to be. So if he assigns you into a position of entrepreneurship, don't look down on nobody else. If he assigns you in a position of employment, don't look up to somebody else as if they got it better than you do. No, that's just their assignment for this particular season. Can you say amen to that? Now, this is what you got to understand. David was already anointed to be king. He did that early in chapter number 16. The prophet Samuel came by and visited him, poured oil on him, anointed him. 
But although he was anointed as king, he wasn't ready for the position. What God had to do is bring him close to royalty so that he can understand how to stand as a king. And there are some of you all, I'm telling you, that your anointing is greater than your current position, but God is using your environment to train you for where he wants you to go. Somebody just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm in training right now. Number two, the reason why God places you in certain environments is because of, somebody shout, intercession. If you can think of a tabletop, the, the legs are spread out under the tabletop in certain places to uphold and undergird the platform. And what God does is that he strategically places believers in certain places in the earth because there are certain things that he wants to uphold. I need you to understand that I know what it's like to work for certain organizations that ethically there's not, everything is not everything. Let me just say it like that. And I want to step out of the organization and watch it fall to the ground. But God says, no, I need you in the organization because watch this. Falling, watch, if the organization falls to the ground, there are going to be more people that are hurt than actually helped. So I actually need you in a position, despite what's going on in the company, and you want to expose them, you want to blow the whistle, and all that stuff is wonderful. But at the end of the day, instead of complaining about what's going on, I actually need you to hold up things so that my will can be accomplished in the earth. Watch this, Ezekiel 22 and 30. The Bible declares, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. So in essence, the people of God are getting ready to reap the consequences of their sins. But God says, watch this, although they're getting ready to reap consequences, I don't want them to because them reaping consequences would do more harm on the nation than good. I'm looking for somebody that will stand in the gap. Watch this, what God don't want you to do is just join in the complaining clique. And how many of y'all got a bunch of complaining cliques on your job? You get in the break room, you get in the bathroom and you talk about how, how horrible everything is, get out of the complaining clique and get on the wall and stand in the gap. Can you say amen to that? Genesis 18, 23, Abram is having a conversation with God because he's getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, then Abram approached him and said, you will sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? The Lord says, if I find 50 righteous people in the city, God, help me in this place. Whoo, I don't know who this is for, but God says, you can't leave yet. You can't leave yet. The only reason destruction hadn't hit is because you're still there. And I'm trying to spare people. And the only reason that the job, the only reason that the industry is spared is because I got you there. He goes down from 50 to 45, from 45 to 40, from 40 to 30, 30 to 20, 20 to 10. He says, if there are 10 people in the city that are righteous, will you spare this organization? Will you spare this industry? He said, I will spare it for 10. I'm telling you today that God needs you on the wall. I mentioned a wonderful book that I've been reading by C.P. Wagner called The Great Transfer of Wealth. And I want to highlight a quote that he, that he uh, states in his book. He says, the church lacks cultural power because it focuses on changing the world 
from within the church mountain rather than releasing the church into the marketplace to, le to leaven all seven mountains. Taking the gospel into all the world is no longer a simple journey of geography. The world is a matrix of overlapping systems of, or spheres of influence. We are called to go into the entire matrix and invade every, somebody shout every system. Shout it again, every system. Every system mountain with an influence that liberates that system's fullest potential. So he's going to show this picture, if you could put that up, of the seven mountains of influence in the world. He's going to name religion, family, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, and business. Now understand, everybody shout, I'm gifted. Everybody shout, I'm called. Now this is what you need to understand about your call. You might be called to pastor but not to pastor in the church. You might be called as a pastor in business. You might be called as an evangelist, but I, I got enough of them that's running around in the church today. I need somebody to evangelize in government. You might be called to prophesy as a prophet, as a mentor. And this is the problem that I have. And I'm getting ready to do, as soon as my men's conference is over, our men's retreat, I'm getting ready to do some ministerial training. And, and this is one of the problems that I have with ministers is everybody is trying to fight for the platform for a pulpit when God got other platforms and other spheres of industry that needs prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Can you say amen to that? Everybody shout, I'm called. Now look at the person that said they called and ask them, where are you called to? Because you might be on a platform, oh my God, you might be in the perfect place to utilize the gifts, talents, and ability that God has placed in your belly, but you're looking at another place that somebody else is occupying and you're getting ready to miss out on what God has in store for you. He goes on to say, on each of these mountains, Influence, oh God, I want to help somebody in this place. He says, influence flows from the top down, not from the bottom up. Has anybody ever wanted to change something on your job? You saw something that needed to be tweaked on your job. And God says, I'm trying to elevate you to the top in the company. But some of us are just settled. We're just eased in Zion at the bottom. I had a great conversation with a good friend of mine. This was a couple of months ago. He had been praying with me about a job. And he said, Pastor, man, I really want you to just pray and agree with me about this particular job. And he wound up getting a job. And it wasn't even a month later, Jeff, that they came to him and they said, we want you to be promoted to another level. And he denied the promotion. He said, no, I don't want the promotion. I'm fine where I am. And so I asked him, Chad, I said, man, why did you reject the promotion? He says, man, I don't want that responsibility on me. I'm good doing what I'm doing right now. I'm telling you today that the devil is absolutely a liar. God not only situates you on the job, but he wants to promote you on the job because he needs someone with righteous influence in charge. Can somebody say amen there? On each of these mountains, influence flows from the top down. Not from the bottom up. I know you're anointed, but your anointing is limited at the bottom. I know you got favor, but your favor is limited at the bottom. I need somebody that's going to allow me to take them to the top so that, so that you can actually make the changes at the top that you see in the bottom. 
Isn't it amazing that God brings you into the organization and you, it seems as though that you're the lowest on the totem pole because watch this, watch this. I'm the pastor at EMCC. I'm the pastor at EMCC. Here's the problem with being the pastor at EMCC. At the top, as the leader, as the CEO of this organization, my eyesight is limited. So I depend upon my staff members to actually bring credible things to me that needs to be addressed because the real problems really never come to me. They come to some of y'all. And God has some of you all starting at the bottom so you can really get the problems, understand the problems that the, that the president or the CEO cannot see and, can, and that don't come to him. So when God elevates you, they're going to think you're the smartest thing in the world. You know why? Because you're going to see problems and have the remedy to the problem because you started at the bottom and God is taking you to the top. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God taking you higher. I'm going to read this again. On each of these mountains, influence flows from the top down, not from the bottom up. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Therefore, our objective should be to do whatever is necessary to position kingdom-minded believers at the top of each mountain. God needs believers in government. He needs believers in the social work industry. He needs believers Spirit-filled believers in business. He needs believers in arts and entertainments. He needs them. There. And watch this, watch this, because, because I grew up around some believers that was like, if you were saved, they said, come on out the world. Come on out the world. And I do understand that the scripture teaches us that there should be a distinction amongst us. But in all actuality, what they were actually trying to say, they were trying to leave your job, leave this place, leave that place, and come here in the church. And this was going to be like a safe haven against the world. But the reality is, if we're really trying to reach people, if we're really trying to make a difference in the world, there are some people that ain't coming to your cute little church. You're going to have to go out where they are and be the light that God wants you to be. Can you say amen to that so God has me in this position number one somebody shout he's training me for greater things I believe that that God has you there and you praying <laughs> hey I'll never forget I was training with uh Doc Rhodes years ago and uh he had me on this little squat machine and um and he put some weight on there and so I was doing it I was doing it fast I was, and he says, how, how is, how's, how's that feel? I said, it feels good. He said, are you comfortable? I said, yes, sir, I'm comfortable. He had a nerve to go put two more plates on the machine. And I'm thinking to myself, I told him I was comfortable. But in order for you to grow, I can't make you comfortable. I actually got to make you uncomfortable. Hmm. I say all the time that anger is a human, it's a healthy human emotion. It really is. The scripture just gives us parameters about it. You know, be angry but sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. But it's, it's an emotion that God gives us, and it's an emotion that we see in scripture that God manifests. There are some of you all, you actually won't move until you get upset about something. Come on now. Come on. You ain't going to well, pray, you ain't going to intercede, you ain't going to fight for nothing, you ain't going to do nothing until you get mad about it. Hmm. The moment you get upset, you want it. 
So there are times when God has to push you in a place of uncomfortableness, push you in a place where you upset, push you in a place where you like, uh-uh, I, I ain't taking this no more. I'm saying something today. To actually stretch you so that you can do what you're called to do in your work environment. So God has you there for training. He has you there for intercession. Here's point number three. God has you in position on your job to serve him. Now, now let, let's back up before I really dive into this. If you're approaching your job, I'm just here for a paycheck. I'm just here for money. Or you have this skewed perspective that I'm here for validation. I'm here because I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to be a success. You're trying to find identity and all that kind of wonderful stuff. I'm telling you, you're going to actually miss the purposes of God, and God has something great in store for you in your work environment. You own that job, number three. Somebody shout, I'm here to serve God. Now, this is something that I failed to realize early in my walk with God, that it's actually impossible to serve God without serving people. If you're not serving people in some capacity, don't be talking about I'm serving God, because you ain't serving God. Jesus gives us insight into a conversation that he's going to have with humanity at the last day in Matthew 25. He's going to say to some on his left, he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Why? Because I was in jail. You didn't come see me. I was sick. You didn't come visit me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was, I was in need of food, and you didn't feed me. And they're going to look at him and say, when did we, when did we see you? Naked or in jail or in prison, and we didn't come see you. And then he's going to say to the people on his right, welcome into eternal, uh, uh, everlasting, into the everlasting kingdom. Why? Because I was naked, you clothed me, I was hungry, you fed me, I was in prison, you came to visit me, I was sick, you checked on me. And the righteous, they're going to say the same thing. Ooh, God. There's some of y'all, you got to be careful because you might be entertaining angels unaware. You just might be entertaining, ooh, I want to help somebody in this place. When you're on your job, you cannot afford to have a bad day. I'm serious about that. That's why, I said, that's why it's so important for you to come to a place like this. That's why it's so important for you to open up your own Bible throughout the week to actually have a prayer life because I, I can't afford to have an off day. You know why? Because I'm serving God by serving people. So he's going to say to them, when you did, you, you want to know when you, when you clothed me, when you fed me, when you came to visit me, he says, if, whenever you did it to the least of them, you were actually doing it unto me. So when you're on your job serving people, you're actually serving Christ. So here's the, here's the question. How are you treating Jesus? How are you treating him? The way you treat your children on your job, you're actually treating Jesus that way. The way you treat customers that come into your environment, you're actually treating Jesus. See, see this is what you need to... So God, God, God gives you gifts, talents, and, he, and abilities for the purpose of serving him. So that's why it's always crazy to like glorify your gifts. I'm, I'm a prophet. <laughs> so I'm an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I'm an apostle. <laughs> I got one friend. His voice changed when he became an apostle. He was like, yeah, I'm an apostle. <laughs> I said, why you got to say it like that, man? 
What are you talking about? <laughs> Everybody shout, who cares? Because your gifts and talents ain't about you. God only gave you those for the purpose of serving him by serving people. And if you're so caught up in your title that you can't serve people. So I gave you these gifts, and on top of that, God says, I gave you another man's resources to be able to better serve me. So you serving people with your boss's money, with your boss's equipment, with your boss's resources. I gave you all of this to serve me. How are you serving me? And the moment you fail to realize that on my job, I'm just not serving customers. I'm not just serving employees. I'm not just, no, I am literally serving Jesus. It changes your mindset because the people that you mad at, hmm, <laughs> the people that you close the doors on 10 minutes early because you're trying to clean up the little area so you can go home early. You do know you close the door on Jesus. Hmm. Things need to change in our work environment. God help me. Things have got to change. Because I want to use you more than just in a church environment. I literally want to use you in one of the places that you're going to spend the majority of your life. When I, when I was working for Walgreens, I was working, depending on the day, eight to ten hours every day. Eight to ten hours every day. Um, whenever I worked graveyard shift, I really didn't see my kids at all. Because while they was at school and came home, uh, they, they'd come home about, I guess, about 3.30, 4 o'clock. I would sleep until 7 o'clock. I'd wake up at 7, get myself together, and I had to be at work at 9 o'clock. So I would do that seven days straight. So during that time period, I may have seen my kids an hour. So for seven days, I had no quality time with my kids. When I flipped back for days, and I hated that schedule because we'd do three weeks of days, and then we'd do one week of overnight shift, and then you have to, just when your body is, is you know, fine for overnight, then you go back to days. And then when your body gets adjusted to days, now you got to go back to overnight. So in days, if I work from 8 to 4, I'd see my kids in the morning. I'd wake them up from school at 6 o'clock, see them off at 7 o'clock. So I'd spend maybe an hour uh, with them. No quality time. Just, y'all get up. Matter of fact, it wasn't quality time. It was fussing time. Get out that bed. What's wrong with y'all? You in the bed again? <laughs> I went upstairs the other day and woke Charity up. And told her to get up so she, I could take her to band practice. I went up there 30 minutes later. She got back in the bed. I was hot. Kids get home at 3.30, uh, 4 o'clock. I may get home 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Eat dinner with them. Spend two, maybe three hours with them. They go on to bed at 9 o'clock. So the majority of my life was at work. I go to work on Sunday, excuse me, go to church on Sundays. So you mean to tell me God just want to use me one day out of the week? God wants to use you in the midst of your church, in the midst of your work environment, but I need you to shift your mentality concerning work.
I have you here because I'm training you for something greater. I have you here because I'm using you as a pillar of intercession for this entire industry. Well, I, let's, let's use this analogy again of, of a tabletop. I got this table that shouldn't be here. <laughs> tabletop here. You know I'm not gonna stand on it because it can't hold me. Table got four legs. Four legs. And this tabletop can stand as long as the four legs are in position. Kick one of these legs out of position. Kick two of these legs out of position. And this whole thing crumbles. This is how God positions you in the earth. I want you here. You're not going to stay here, but this is why I need you right here for now. I want you here, and I want you here, and you here. This is for a time and this is for a season. So during this time and this season, this is what I don't need you to do. I don't know who this word is for, but I'm going to say it. I hear God saying, I need you to stop prostituting your gift for the highest bidder. Stop prostituting your gift for the highest bidder. You just change jobs every time somebody owe you, uh, uh, promise you more money. And you keep moving and you keep moving and you're not even realizing that there's an assignment, there's a reason that I have you here. Can I help you today that every blessing is not of God? I know that's hard for some of y'all to receive, but I'm telling you, every blessing is not of the Lord. What did the devil do to Jesus? He took him up to the highest mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, if you will fall down and, 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 and worship me, I will give you. Now, no believer in here would fall down and worship the devil. So what is it that he throws at you? It's not devil worship, it's self-worship. So you would trade for better comfort without seeking God. And when you do that, you find yourself out of position. And before you know, there's a whole industry that's getting ready to topple over. Well, I knew that company was gonna fall. They, all, they had all that stuff going on, and you don't know, you might be the reason why it fell. It was going down the drain anyway. I'm glad I got myself out. No, you actually never supposed to leave because I was using you as a pillar of intercession. Now, when I get ready for it to topple, lot it will be, listen. So I was at Walgreens. Is it okay if I ramble just for a moment, y'all? I was at Walgreens and I prayed so hard and I cried so long for God to, get, leave, me, to, to, to lead me away from this job. Every ounce of little interview, every ounce of little resumes, I'm talking about I sent everything. I perfected my resume. And I finally got to a place where I told God, I said, God, if you want me to stay here, I'll stay. And that was after, that was after the straw broke the camel back. You know what the straw was? We had already lost a son, Robert Nathaniel. My wife was pregnant again, getting ready to go into labor much earlier than what we thought. I'm scared, I'm afraid. 
My wife has Greg, uh, Stephen, uh, McGee Jr., and she's still having some complications in her body. And the doctor says, I want to keep her another day. I go to my boss and I tell my boss, listen, I need to stay another day with my wife. She's having some complications. I just want to make sure everything. My boss told me, if you ain't at work, you fired. You've gone. So I told God, all right, you won't let me leave. So I'm going to do what she's saying. But I'm depending on you. I gave up searching. I put it in God's hand. And I just want to challenge somebody just for a moment. Some of y'all are just really stressed out right about now. God, I need to get up out of here. I'm tired of these folks. I'm going to show them. I gave up. Hmm. I was going to actually do something ridiculous. Take a position, half of my salary, just to get out of there. And it wasn't God. One day, a guy came in who I hadn't seen in years. Philip Wright. I'm on aisle eight stocking. Walgreens. Greg, Greg, I got something for you, man. I got something for you. Anybody who know Philip, he loud. I love you, Philip. I got something for you, man. We hired, man. I put your name in, man. I want you to go and apply now, man. I want you to go and apply. I'm like, shut up, my boss over there. So I go apply for the job, ace the interview, I get hired on with the company, and, and watch this, watch this. My boss that I was currently with, I mean, she was on me 24-7, so every time I came and worked, I, it's like I had to learn time management. I had to learn how to be accountable for my time, because if she came in and she saw something that wasn't done, I had to give her details as to what I was doing, why I spent so much time doing it, so I didn't have time to do this. I had to approach, approach the workplace just like that. So when I get hired with this new job, this is what they got a nerve to tell me, Chad. Headquarters is in Hattiesburg. We're going to send you to the coast. We just want you to make your schedule and send it to us. Had I not been trained on how to manage my time under a pharaoh, under a taskmaster, when I got the new job where I, they didn't even check on me. They said, send me the schedule and we'll be okay. If I didn't know how to manage my time on the old job, I would have wrecked the new opportunity that God was giving me. So God had me in training. God had me in position of intercession. There were so many people who came closer to God because I was there in Walgreens. So many people who I counseled, so many people that I prayed for. Watch this, because I was the only believer. I was the only practicing believer. <laughs> Y'all know what that is like, right? There's a whole bunch of folk that say they saved. It's only a few of them that was actually living like they were saved. God had me there. So this is what I want to do. I'm taking up too much time. I want to pray for people that's having a challenge on their job right now. I want to pray for people that's, you got spiritual javelins being thrown at you. And you asking yourself the question, God, why am I here? I'm sure David asked the question. 
what I, what I love about stories like David, that's really not fair for us. Yeah, if we're able to look back at his story and realize, David, shut up and just stay in position. God finna give you this kingdom, boy. You better hush. You better serve. You better dodge them javelins. Because the seat that he's throwing from, God getting ready to give you that seat. It's easy to say that because you can see retrospectively. But it's hard for you when you're the one sitting, when you're playing, and the javelin's coming at you. It's hard for you to see the kingdom. And I'm telling you today that it's coming for you too. God didn't have a respect to person. He has a respect to principle. And it was many times that David got ready to mess things up, but God would always intervene in some form of fact. You remember, you remember when he went on to, over to the Philistine side and he was actually getting ready to wage war against his own people. But one of the, men, one of the uh, 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 kings said, no, we don't want you to come with us. Stay here because we don't trust you. That was God intervening because he would have messed up spiritually had he killed his own people. Remember how what David's attitude was like concerning his boss, even when he was fired and on the run from him? He had an opportunity to get him back, but he kept saying, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. And I'm telling you, the enemy is trying to set some of y'all up to put your mouth on your boss when you fail to realize that be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also. God's trying to get you out of this assignment. You're not going to be this pillar for long. You're not going to be this intercessor for long. You're only here for a season, but this is what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to sow negative seeds in this season that you're going to reap a harvest in the next season. The devil is absolutely a liar. Yeah. So, I want, Charlotte, I, want you to, I want you to come and pray, ma'am. I want you to come and pray. Thank you, Jesus. So, this is what I need. This is what I need. For those of you all who are having cha- challenges, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying everybody having challenges on their job. I got a few people that work for me in here. You better not stand on your feet when I make this call either. <laughs> Don't be embarrassing me. Pastor hard, y'all. He hard. Don't you stand up. I'm going to come sit you down. <laughs> no. Some of y'all having challenges on your job, and I just want to pray with you.